0: Hi, this is Mark Raven, VP of Customer Success for Kinexis, and we want to thank you for listening to our webinars via our podcast series. This webinar was originally presented on April 14th, 2015. I'm presenting with Dr. Greg Jacobson, our Kinexis co-founder and CEO, and the title is How to Spread Continuous Improvement. So you're going to learn how to spread continuous improvement through your organization, why it's important to spread improvement ideas beyond the team that originally discovered them, and some real-life examples of how organizations overcome common barriers to spread. You know, it's one thing for continuous improvement to thrive within your team of improvement specialists. It's a whole different ballgame when you're trying to spread it throughout your organization. So I hope you find some helpful tips here. If you'd like to see the slides or watch the video, go to kinexus.com slash webinars Look for the link to our webinar library and uh, scroll down and look for how to spread continuous improvement. All right, so what do we mean by spread? Now, I don't know. I haven't had lunch yet, but I look at this delicious Nutella-type spread here, and I guess that's... That's one kind of spread, but that's not what we're really here to talk about today. Different, different tasty spreads. No,
1: but. although I'm sure people are eating lunch here, so you know it's a nice little.
0: Depending <laughs> on their time
1: zone, they may be ready for a snack now.
0: But you know, when we talk about spread, I mean, you know, this is a word that gets used a lot in uh, the the lean community. Uh, I'll, I'll spare you generally the uh, the Japanese word, but uh, some people use the word yokaten, uh which which basically just means spread. So we're going to use. The word spread, but this idea of spreading ideas or spreading methodologies through an organization—that's what we're really here to talk
1: about today. And I think also sometimes you hear the word share, and sometimes you also hear um, you know the concept of sustaining uh, continuous improvement. I, I think of all those you know extremely similarly. So sometimes if I'm talking to folks, and, and they're really talking about continuous improvement and sharing. To me, those are synonymous in this case. We're really yeah. talking about trying to get things in, from being in pockets of an organization across the whole organization. Exactly. So I, I think that the Nutella peanut butter visual is perfect here. <laughs> yeah, so we'd like Nutella across
0: the entire piece of toast. That <laughs> bread doesn't look very toasted, so I don't know. I mean, and stop thinking about food, um, but you know, back to the main topic here. What affects the spread of these three things? And if you've seen previous Kanexus webinars, um, this is probably the only slide that's a bit of a repeat. You know, we've learned over the last couple of years that to have a really robust and sustainable culture of continuous improvement
1: uh, requires three different things. Yeah, so it, it's amazing. You know, I've talked to hundreds of organizations now, specifically about their challenge of spreading continuous improvement, of trying to get it outside the process improvement department essentially, And then what we find is a really distinctive pattern that if people are having difficulty spreading continuous improvement, they either have a problem with the methodology that they're using, they have a problem with leadership, or they're not using enabling technology in the right way. And, and I think what's interesting here is that um, we're going to talk about exactly what we've ended up finding to be the key parts of methodology, leadership, and technology. That's the framework of what we're going to talk about.
0: And one of those methodologies that we're, of course, huge proponents of and a lot of our customers use is Kaizen, uh, the model of continuous improvement that's so important within Lean and the Toyota production system, uh, Masaki Amai, you know, wrote the book about this originally in 1986. And, you know, Mr. Amai says, I think, you know, quite elegantly that Kaizen is really about everybody improving everywhere, every day. You know, real continuous improvement, not just projects. Um, you know, projects are helpful, not just rapid improvement events, but really trying to create a culture that has
1: everybody participating in improvement. So two, two things come to mind as you say that. First, to to dovetail off of what you mentioned. So we talked about what we mean by spread, and now I just want to take home the message of what we mean by continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. When we talk about continuous improvement here at Kinexis, and I would say with when we're speaking with either our customers or our prospective customers, we're talking about everyone in an organization improving every day. Right. And uh, so if we're talking about, you know, that's the definition of continuous improvement. When we talked to you about the definition of, of spread. That's really what the topic of of today's topic is. This the second part of uh, what did you want to say something mm-hmm. about that? The second thing I wanted to, to bring up that you reminded me of is oftentimes when when we think about a systematic methodology, you know, I think we think of what I would sometimes refer to as disciplines of thought or problem-solving disciplines. And so we're going to talk about a Kind of the underlying principles that a methodology has to have. That's slightly different than perhaps your problem solving discipline. You know, whether you have a, you know, a lean business management, um, philosophy implementation that you're going through or a practice as we talked about in prior or even Kaizen. And so we really want to make sure that we kind of differentiate that, um, there is, Definitely a characteristic of methodology that we have found has to be a part of what an organization right. is doing in order to help spread continuous improvement.
0: Yeah. And I think there's also the discipline of leadership. What are the right leadership behaviors that encourage continuous improvement participation? And I don't, you know, I haven't seen I I haven't seen an organization yet where with the snap of the finger, some executives said, Oh, we now have a culture of continuous improvement right. where this methodology starts instantaneously in every department or that leaders suddenly change their stripes and start behaving in a new way or to effectively roll out, whether it's uh, you know, tech, Conexus technology or bulletin boards. I've seen organizations try to throw them out Simultaneously into one hundred and fifty or two hundred departments, and they just they I, I think of it as overdriving your headlights you the, the organization doesn 't have enough ability to coach two hundred departments simultaneously, so most of those departments just flounder and they right, have right. the technology, but they don 't have the leadership and they haven 't been taught the methodology that that fails so i I think of spread as a process it's not an instantaneous
1: thing you do it's a process it takes some time right and i think there's there's good and bad to that right i mean we've talked about this before this is a lifestyle this is not a fad diet so one this is a lifestyle but two because you don't need to roll out 150 you know bulletin boards or 150 deployments of kinexus or 150 you know leadership um you know messages all at the same time it allows you to really start at any time. I mean, you can really kind of, so we hear a lot of us, oh, well, we're not ready for that. Our organization is not ready for that. And, and I think but, if it was a fad diet, I would say, you know, you might be right. Yeah. But because this is a lifestyle, really, you can, any organization is ready at any time to start doing this. Yeah, we, we've heard a lot of times, we, we
0: can't do continuous improvement because we don't have a culture of continuous improvement. Right. Well, the only way you get a culture of continuous improvement is by starting now where you are and, and working toward that over time. So let's talk a little bit first about the general idea of how ideas spread. An idea like lean in healthcare, or even going back to the days of lean in manufacturing, any sort of new approach. How do those ideas spread? You know, people talk to each other within an organization. They talk to each other at conferences. People write books. They write journal articles. They give presentations. We use the internet. There's no shortage of ways of communicating. But in, um, I think it's frustrating sometimes to see how
1: slowly even a really good idea can spread. I think what we're trying to do here is give context of kind of what is the discipline and what is the the methodology or the the life cycle of a individual idea maybe in your continuous improvement efforts. How does that spread within the organization? What I think is cool is we're going to talk about it in the context of actually. How does lean and how does Kaizen spread? And I think it's kind of a cool way you kind of frame this conversation. Yeah, so the high-level spread of
0: the concept, and then we'll we'll go into more detail of you know, how do you spread and share specific ideas that are generated right. through an improvement methodology. But yeah, as an industrial I'm an industrial engineer, Greg's a doctor. And uh you know, I think there's an interesting history in healthcare where Any of us who have just really observed surgery or even if we've seen it on TV, you know the the, the stereotypical cliched scene of the surgeon putting out their hand and saying, scalpel, and a scalpel is handed to them. The idea of what was originally dubbed a surgical caddy was uh, presented, it was an idea that came from Frank Gilbert, one of the first industrial engineers. He and his wife, Lillian Gilbert, worked together. They filmed and observed in operating rooms. And Frank presented to the American Medical Association in 1915 his findings that surgeons spent more time searching for instruments than they did performing surgery. Now, that makes me think of here in the year 2015. Mm that has been 100 years now. Mm -hmm. Nurses often spend more time in an inpatient setting searching for supplies and equipment and medications than they do actually treating patients. So it seems so obvious in hindsight that we should let the surgeon be a surgeon. And support them in in different ways including again this idea of a surgical caddy it seems like such common sense now but it took 15 years for the AMA to formally give this idea its blessing in 1930 they finally came around and said oh okay yeah that that is a good idea that's something that everybody should be doing and we're the same
1: parallel is is occurring and you know we're Healthcare guys, so I'm gonna at the at the risk of signing to healthcare, use a healthcare example. Don Berwick published his his paper, the one that we often refer to as as the initial insight and observation of going and using automotive process improvement principles in healthcare in 1989. Yeah, 26 years ago. 26 years ago.
0: Healthcare organizations need a culture of continuous improvement. He used the word Kaizen. Dr. Deming was still alive. Uh, Dr. Berwick mentioned uh, W. Edwards Deming. I was in high school. <laughs> um, we're gonna get, you're gonna make someone feel bad about that. We're gonna get comments. Greg <laughs> and I both have our gray hair. Me, me more so than Greg. But um, so moving ahead to 2013, you know, uh, Dr. Atul Gawande, a surgeon, Is one of my favorite authors in general, not just favorite medical authors. And, you know, he writes articles in The New Yorker, and one of them that you can go find just through Google is this one about slow ideas. Um, Why does some innovations spread fast, and how do you speed up the ones that don't? Let me me summarize a few of the the key points, and then Greg will give commentary from uh, a medical background. So if you think about two different key medical clinical innovations in the 19th century. Which of these ideas spread more quickly? In 1846 was sort of the discovery of modern uh, surgical anesthesia methods, or maybe not the most modern, but the discover of anesthesia. And in 1867, uh, where uh, Joseph Lister and, and others discovered kind of modern antiseptic uh, practices of, of different solutions and methods that could be used, uh, to prevent infection after surgery, so Anastasia in 1846, as, as Gawande says, you know there was a visible, immediate problem—the pain to the patient. But I, I can only imagine it's—it's it's <laughs> painful to the surgeon to have to try to hold, it, have a patient held down, and try to be operating on a patient who is probably thrashing around in quite a bit of pain. So there was immediate visible pain, not just to the customer, but to the person working in the process. And by February of 1846, anesthesia was being used in all the capitals of Europe, and by June of 1847, in most regions of the world. So this is, I think, the days of telegraph Mm -hmm. and carrier pigeon. And say this is a powerful idea to spread that quickly around the world without telephones or the Internet.
1: Great example of a fast spread.
0: Now, by comparison with antisepsis, this was not something that spread quickly. Um, Physicians and surgeons were um, more resistant to the spread of this idea because Gwande said it was an invisible problem that had a delayed effect. The patient getting the infection uh, took time, and, and I'm sure people can make all sorts of rationalizations. They didn't believe this new theory. They didn't see the benefit of it right away. And, you know, Gawande points out that you know, uh, both of these technologies required some amount of change. It's not like you know, the adoption of anesthesia was easy and the adoption of antisepsis was really hard, but there was more clear benefit to the surgeon for the one compared to the other. That said early antiseptic methods actually caused a lot of stinging and pain to the surgeon's hands. So in some ways, it was actually making things worse for the surgeon, not better. Right.
1: We're still struggling with the antiseptic one, by the way, in 2015, yeah. which is... Simple hand washing. Yeah,
0: the, the, <laughs> the spread of good hand hygiene practices throughout hospitals. Uh, yeah. yeah, and
1: I, I don't, I, I'm pretty sure that people aren't doing surgeries today without anesthesia. No. So interesting, you know, idea that any sepsis in many ways is still spreading. Yes. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so Dr. Bwande you kind of summarizing in his articles, well, how do you create a fast idea or at least make it faster? And one, he said, you know, it requires lots of one-on-one mentoring. And we're going to come back to this as a theme later. One of our Kinexus customers that has done a lot of mentoring with managers in different departments to try to help spread continuous improvement methodologies. It takes a lot of handholding, And it's a slower approach at first, but that investment in time leads to faster spread. It reminds me of the Toyota-ism of go slow to go fast. Lay a good foundation. Instead of trying to do things immediately, and put time into it, and then you'll make faster, more sustained progress.
1: And, and I think that kind of getting into a point of um, kind of a tipping point, right? You know, if you're at an organization and you're starting that initial conversation, things might go slow to, to go fast. There, you, let's say you have 100 departments. The first 10, 15, 20 departments are probably going to take your longest. You know, your last 10 or 15 departments are probably going to go a little bit quicker because the momentum is there that um, you're going to, you know, have that, that wave and that momentum and that kind of herd mentality at that point. But what I think that this one point should be speaking to us all is, and it's a challenge to everyone listening to this webinar, that in order for continuous improvement to spread, In every sense of the facet, it's going to take all of us as a community of people that see the benefit of continuous improvement to talk about this on a consistent basis with as many people as possible. Yeah, and and to that point, Dr. Gwande's second tip is that you can't rely just on showing evidence,
0: but it requires seven touch points, seven conversations, seven points of education, and, I mean, I think, you know, as I've been involved a little bit in sales in my life. There, there's a similar uh, idea in sales and marketing that a customer very rarely decides in that first conversation, oh, yeah, I'm going to move forward. It takes lots of different discussions. Again, there's part of that time investment. We can't just do one training class about Kaizen and expect people to magically get it. We need the mentoring. We need to keep sharing different lessons and have those multiple touch points, let things sink in.
1: And this is going to tie perfectly into leadership behaviors that we're going to talk about here in a second.
0: And then Dr. Guande's third point was to have, uh, you know, seven or maybe up to seven. You know, you need to have key, easy-to-remember messages. Um, a lot of people recommend uh, the book by Chip and Dan Heath called Made to Stick. How do you make an idea sticky? Uh, some of it's in the language and, and the terminology and connecting Um, to to a problem or a purpose or a mission. So we're going to talk first about the idea of spreading methodologies throughout an organization, and then we're going to come back
1: and talk about the idea of spreading ideas of actual improvement. So as we go through this, you're going to notice that you're not going to see Lean or Kaizen or DMAIC or A3s. We're not going to talk about the actual principle problem solving or business management principles here. What we're going to be talking about is as you're thinking of developing a methodology in your organization, what are the key characteristics of that methodology? And we've seen this over and over and over. And so I'll just jump right in. Essentially what we have noticed over and over and over again for folks that are struggling with continuous improvement or for folks that are successful is that that methodology is consistent, disciplined, and simple. Okay, so what do we mean by consistent? So by consistent, we mean every area of the organization needs to be practicing their continuous improvement in a similar way. So they need to have the same type of language. That one... But maybe not completely identical, right? So that's a great—that's a great point, Mark. You know, notice we didn't say identical here. We're talking about consistent, and it can't be identical because every department, every pocket, every work group, every factory of an organization is going to have a slightly different configuration. Maybe it's going to have a slightly different, you know, personality configuration, a logistics configuration. Maybe it's more of a virtual team. So the the idea here is that it's not identical. Mm-hmm. And that's what we, we often see people do, right? They, oh, we're going to do uh, boards. Well, they go off and make 150 boards. Well, they think right. that they're going to be able to do this in an identical way versus a concept of a board. Hey, well, your board should talk about the three or four projects. Your board should have an idea component to it. Your board should be talking about your five or six key metrics for your organization. That would be a consistent way to talk about
0: it. And, you know, if we start small and and not try to um, you know, bite off more than we can chew or expect the whole organization to change all at once. We can practice, whether you want to call it PDSA or, or Demaic or whatever continuous improvement framework you like, to use that in the development and the spread of our continuous improvement methodology. The first iteration should probably be the worst one we ever do. So that we we learn from it and get better as opposed to making that same mistake times 150. You might not be able to recover from that. That's the classic Kaizen principle of make a small test of change. It reduces the risk
1: when you start small and then try to spread from there. So let let me just focus on discipline because, you know, this was actually a point that I brought up and, you know, I don't like to refer to my paper that often, but um, the the um, academic emergency medicine paper I I talked about in two thousand in nine that was published, that was my first observation of kind of Kaizen continuous improvement literature. And it, it was something that we talked about in our first conversation almost five years ago when we met that when you look at people practicing continuous improvement, they're doing it in a non-continuous way. Right. It's episodic. It's a sporadic improvement. Um, right. So, so it, it, it's, it's a great example. We've heard the CEO say, oh, continuous improvement. We did that last year. We check that box off. So the, the point here is is that whatever you're doing, and it doesn't have to be identical, but it needs to be disciplined. So, for example, a lot of people use the huddle concept. 9 a.m. every day we're all going to huddle for 10 minutes and talk through the ideas of the last 24 hours, give an update on the project. Some
0: departments might huddle twice a day, and some might only huddle three days a week. Right, and some people, they
1: might huddle or they might get together once a week, um, and it might be a virtual meeting. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter necessarily what the cadence is and exactly how it's done, as long as it's done it in a disciplined way, so people are reminded kind of front and center about improvement. And, and I'll even extend that to your spread discipline, right? And talk about the organization right now, how, how they have a very systematic schedule and how they're, they're doing this. Well, and what we're gonna come back to. Okay, that. We'll, we'll come back to that. We're talk and about. so, and, and then I think the last point is, and, and, um, before we get off the slide, I think the last point here is that it needs to be simple, right? So we are talking to PI folks. It's their world. It's what they live. They potentially have engineering backgrounds. They've spent a lot of time in certification type classes, right? the The idea that everyone in an organization is is going to become an improvement expert is is a flawed one, and and I think it it's actually inhibiting the spread of continuous improvement. This recognition that not everyone needs to spend 100% of their time to do continuous improvement in order to beneficially um, contribute to an improvement culture is really, really important. And right. so with that and recognizing that you're going to have people that may not know all the terms and may not be facile and explain what the five Ys are or what you know five S is, The point is, is they don't have to. That's the whole, that's the reason why improvement specialists exist, is to help and coach people through this. So your method of continuous improvement in organization has to be simple.
0: I think as Albert Einstein said, it should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. So let's talk about you know the idea. We're going to share an example from one of our customers to go from what you might call pockets of improvement or pockets of Kaizen or pockets of a methodology in an organization to uh, a wider, more consistent spread. So as, as an organization gets started, this diagram kind of represents just a conceptual hospital that has a bunch of different departments kind of just crudely mapped out here. And we see maybe a handful of green departments that are really embracing this and they're doing a great job. They're generating and implementing lots of improvement ideas. They're making things measurably better. Then you might have the departments that are red. They have either haven't gotten started yet or they're really, they're struggling. They essentially haven't started. And then there might be some in the middle that are yellow. You know, they're, yeah, they're doing okay, but they haven't somehow hit their stride. Maybe some of the leadership behaviors are missing compared to other departments. So I think it's, It's reasonable to say, well, not everyone's going to become green all at once, that some are going to move faster, and and maybe some of those departments can help coach and move others along over time. And then we might also step back and think as a health system, let's say we have four different hospitals. At a high level, we we might have one of those four sites that is the best at Kaizen and continuous improvement, one that's barely started and is struggling, and or two that are kind of limping along. So we might step back and say, "Well, why is that? Did one start sooner? Is it a difference in the CEO and the executive leadership and their behaviors and what they're doing to encourage or discourage continuous improvement?"
1: And I can I can guarantee you, if we analyze hospital A through D here, what we're going to find is A is struggling in either leadership. In or methodology, in or technology, and C is you're going to find an organization or, or a uh, hospital or a factory in that organization that's nailed it on those three. Got all of those things.
0: So you know, I talked the other day with one of um, our customers. You know, they they gave me an update on their spread of improvement through the organization. So they started back in December of 2014, starting a daily kaizen process in two units so we were I was working with them to introduce a methodology we were uh, I was along with their in key internal PI person uh, coaching managers in those departments teaching some of their senior leaders about good continuous improvement behaviors and uh, they, they started with the kinexis technology well now here we are in April 2015 they've got an active program in 14 different units with four more starting, in next couple of weeks. And one of their reflections, which reminded me of Dr. Gawande's article, is that active coaching is key. When I started with them and and when their PI person is out there, it's not one 30-minute session. Say, oh, here's Kaizen, go start doing it. That um, I spent together with him, and now he's going out and spending two full days, spread out over two weeks with the leaders and the staff in those departments, Coaching them, mentoring them, working through the, the process of generating and implementing and uh, resolving uh, improvements. That, that, you might call that hand holding. That sounds a bit um, negative or pejorative, but that coaching and that active participation is key. It's not just about
1: education, it's about working with them. Yeah. Well, one thing I, I always like to remind folks of, and, and we've, we've, Done this in healthcare organization, manufacturing organizations. We have professional services customers that are doing this exact same, you know, journey. And so this organization, let me ask, are they, are they made up of a bunch of Einsteins? I mean, is there some kind of like, you know, magical, you know, kind of thing in the water that makes this organization? You know, be yeah. able to do this. They are really good people
0: with a sense of mission and great clinical training. And they're—they're—they're they're, they're like.
1: I think they would admit this. They're like any hospital. They're like any hospital. And I think that's the key here: is that it, this doesn't have to be the one percent of organizations that are great. I mean, getting to this, getting to this system into this state. Is actually extremely attainable mm-hmm. in a surprisingly short period of time if things are done with kind of the right consciousness. Yeah,
0: and, and building upon Mr. Amai's comment, I mean, I would, I would hope kaizen in healthcare is every organization engaging everybody, everywhere, every day. Right. Um, I'm glad you brought up that point, Greg. That this is something that every organization can do. And I found, well, I think in general with lean or with kaizen. Um, Kaizen or Lean, it doesn't fail. People stop doing it, right? you know, and, and I think the amount of effort and that sustained effort and the leadership is the key predictor of their success with either of these methodologies. So to delve a little bit deeper into what this organization has done, you know, I worked with them for a couple of days in um, December 2014, and I made sure that their PI lead, Was trained and coached. So he shadowed me and across those two days, you know, I started having him take more of the lead with me coaching him and giving him feedback. He already had a great background with Lean and Six Sigma, but just give him some additional coaching around some of the nuance of continuous improvement and how to coach the managers in this
1: process. And we have, we have 12 videos that we've made that talk about a number of those principles Mm -hmm. that you can find on our website. And, um, you know, it's, Little things like work to implement, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, these these aren't these aren't you know pieces of knowledge that you know take a Ph.D. to understand. These are just slight behavioral leadership techniques and understanding the 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 way a methodology can be created in a simple, consistent, disciplined way that can kind of explode this type of stuff. It's kind of like I'm 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 envisioning the garden, and you know, you just need to know the right nutrients. Is it going to be the nitrogen mix and this mix and that mix, and all of a sudden you're going to have a green thumb, yeah.
0: you know. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, what they're doing right now, they've gotten into a good rhythm, as Greg alluded to earlier, um, with two new departments every two weeks. They do a conference call with one of our team members here at Kinexis to introduce them to the technology piece, you know, the web-based system, how to get logged in, how to use the system. That's the easy part. Right. <laughs> they always say, oh, okay, the software, that's the easy part. But now how do we embrace the methodology and the leadership behaviors. And that's where Ron, their PI lead, is spending a day with each department each week. So I spent two consecutive days with departments with him. They've decided to spread out those days. Let's come in on a a Tuesday of one week and a Wednesday of the the second week to to introduce the ideas, get them going. And then I like their evolution of this process to come back a week later after they've had some time to work on stuff. That makes sense because he's there on-site in the building as opposed to me having to uh, to fly out there when I worked with them originally.
1: Hopefully we're starting to kind of understand that Venn diagram a little bit, that this isn't just methodology, just leadership, or just technology. This is combining these three elements in a way where they're synergistic. It's the one plus one equals three concept mm-hmm. here versus any of these done in isolation. We've really yeah. found people struggle with it, so. Adding together the
0: three legs of that, platform equals five,
1: five, four, something like that. Equals nine.
0: (laughs) But, you know, they keep improving the way they're spreading, continuous improvement. They're continuously improving how they do this. And one thing they've discovered is that as, as good as their PI lead is, once they get to the point now of 14 different departments, even with the technology that helps him see what's going on, the level of activity, the types of ideas, I can see that as a remote coach, um, that it's, that was going to be a bit much. So, you know, they have 14 departments so far, and they've had variation in the impact. Um, you know, half are rock stars, as he described. Half are just kind of doing okay. So they're trying to learn from that and reflect upon that. How do we go back and coach again? But they, they got started. Um, you know, they, they prioritize, you know, people ask, well, how do you prioritize where to go? Uh, they, they said it was based on poll from department leaders mm-hmm. who had managers saying, "Yeah, yeah, come here and help us." Like you, you
1: know, mean they have, let's say, a hundred departments, a hundred pockets. How do
0: you figure out which ones to start with? Yeah. Okay. How do you schedule those out, or how do you decide? And I, and I love their approach here. I don't think you can force this on a leader because at best they'll they'll give it lip service right. or they'll go through the motions, and you really want people to say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, us next." People would almost be upset if you don't come and help them next, uh, as, as, as they look to see who are their next department's going to be.
1: There are a couple books you're going to hear Mark and I talk about a lot, and, and we love Daniel Pink, and his book Drive would explain why, you know, asking, figuring out the ones that want to volunteer as your initial cohorts and making that your system for who to spread to, that, is, that's, would be a modeling of intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation is always going to be a stronger drive than extrinsic motivation.
0: Yeah. And and I asked, well, what happens if you run out of people with that strong intrinsic motivation? What happens if you run out of people who pull? Well they're trying to do things that help create pull by sharing and exposing different implemented ideas. They have a monthly forum where generally they've talked about the rapid improvement events, which they started with and they continue to do
1: even with their new deal. So they're not stopping their Kaizen events during this.
0: they they do continuous uh, process improvement on top of the events, but they've started using those monthly forums to also share some of the smaller Kaizen ideas, and that's how they help spread ideas, but also to create uh, awareness that, oh, this has been a really positive thing, and maybe more people volunteer. The CEO talks about Kaizen a lot. You know, this organization... Just received the top level State Baldridge recognition, and in their acceptance speech, the CEO talked a lot about daily continuous improvement as being a key to their ongoing success and in the, in their pursuit of the national baldridge award. When, when he sends that message that's important to the CEO, people might be slightly begrudging about it, but they're, they're, they're going to be more likely to get on board absolutely. But then uh, the, the point, and I started to jump ahead to this point too quickly, to help speed up their spread, because they started hitting those limits about how much can we support, how many people can I mentor, the PI lead is developing and coaching a second coach. So now they think, you know, as they're working together and now they can start working independently, that they can do three or four departments at a time instead of two. So they think what they're calling this first wave of spread will take through about July. They've gotten everybody at least up and running, even if they're not rock stars. But then they're going to come back through on what they're calling their second wave to spend time focusing on better problem-solving skills. As as he said, you know, we're really good at plan-do, but we need to get better at the full plan-do-study-adjust cycle, and they're going to get better. They're going to improve the way they improve. And So I think it's fair to say, look, not everyone's going to do this perfectly at the beginning get them started let them learn from their experience but then coach them and mentor them and help them get better with it over time
1: i when when we were talking about um, this organization and in this kind of first wave second wave i was reminded i've, I've learned to at least to be functional in a couple other languages and other than english at this point in my life and whenever i'm trying to learn it um, another language i'm learning one of them from my mom and she makes a very Diligent effort about not correcting me all the time. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, you're just, you lose all your momentum and it's not fun. And so I think this is a great example of just get people going. Make yeah. sure they're not going to fall off the cliff, right. you know, but just get them going, get them engaged, get them involved in the methodology of, okay, you're going to ask people, and then you're going to take a look at them and you're going to work on the idea and you're going to implement something and get them doing that process and then you can go back and make them a little bit better. But if you don't allow them, If you're constantly correcting them and changing what they're doing right at the beginning, they're going to lose interest, I think. so.
0: Yeah, and and, uh, we had a question that came in uh, I think we should address because it's right on this point from Jordan. Why not have the rock stars mentor the next departments? And I've seen a lot of organizations do that really effectively, and I would hope this organization... Um, can start tapping into that, yeah, letting it be manager to manager instead of always just coming from the PI group. And I and I was going to say I've seen that in our
1: other customers where that exact kind of pairing up. So I'm, I'm really glad that that question came in to remind us to talk about
0: that. And, and, and that's another way to even further accelerate mm-hmm. the spread of an idea. Instead of it being linear progression or multiplying by two, now you could you could start getting exponential growth through the organization. And I think you do want to be careful. Maybe part of Consistent methodology is that the PI group plays a role in making sure that you at least introduce it in a consistent way. Because otherwise the risk when you have a person, you see this in clinical settings or in bad manufacturing settings where I've trained somebody, then they train someone, then that person, mm-hmm. when it's a, it becomes a game of telephone. Sure. If it's just, you know, not tied back to some consistent methodology.
1: We'll, we'll talk a little bit about how technology can, can make sure that that's happening in a standard way. So.
0: Yeah. So now the second thing that we want to talk about here is spreading specific improvements or ideas or Kaizens or what we call OIs, opportunities for improvement. So how do we spread an idea? And I think there's maybe kind of a basic hypothesis that says this. If we've found and solved a problem, or at least made things a little bit better. Maybe we didn't completely solve it, but it's a good change. Therefore, it's a Kaizen. If we've done that in an area, then that problem is likely to exist elsewhere, in a different department, in a different site, in our health system, or in a different health system altogether, and our implemented idea might help them. So this is kind of the basic hypothesis. And I think it's very much in the Kaizen spirit to say you have an obligation not just to improve, but to help share and spread your improvements. So, you know, we think about our own work. And if you look at this analogy or the the image here, if we've implemented something, we don't want to throw that idea down the well. We don't say, well, that that was our improvement. That makes us look good and, and keep that to ourselves. We want to try to spread that idea to other departments. And it's not just healthcare, but a lot of organizations, especially as they get bigger, become very siloed. And those silos don't talk to each other in really any meaningful or constructive way to even have uh, avenues to spread ideas if we wanted to. I mean, so
1: for one, there's this concept that some ideas are going to kind of have impact and reach across the silo. And then two, if, you know, if an improvement occurred in a silo, let's get it into all the other silos. So kind of breaking these things down, I think, is an important thing. And, and I think you can tell if leadership is working and if methodology is working and the right technology is being used, all these silos can start breaking down pretty effortlessly. Yeah.
0: So an example of an idea that could maybe spread is from one of our customers where it's a it's an OI called procedure room, and it says description of the problem. Procedure room is not stocked with the equipment that's needed. Uh, physicians have a procedure room they're not able to use. Supplies aren't readily available, and it delays patient care. So there were two ideas actually in here. Put locks on the cabinet doors, and then secondly, ask physicians what supplies they want to have in the procedure room. This is the type of idea. If it exists in this unit in Hospital A, it probably maybe also exists in hospitals B, C, and D, or maybe one of those hospitals has already solved this problem. So this is where we can start to, to think outside of our own silo to come up with ideas or spread ideas that we came up with. So we try to figure out, you know, when do we have an idea that is spreadable? Um, our, the PI lead at the customer I was talking about said, you know, the local managers, at least at this stage, don't see the opportunities for spread as much as I do. So one of the benefits of our technology platform is that he sees the ideas as they come in, and they, he sees what's been implemented in the system and through email alerts. So if something jumps out at him, he can reach out and say, "Well, maybe that's something that should spread." So that's probably right now kind of a artificial um, uh, uh, way of stepping in, but what's more scalable is teaching people to see those opportunities over time and they can get better at that. And then remotely, myself and others on the Kinexis team, sometimes we see things that that might be spreadable and and we'll ask that question or or try to coach and uh, help them get better at identifying
1: that over time. And the implicit design of the technology also helps folks because it kind of reminds people, hey, do you want to let other people know about it? And it makes it very easy to share and to spread that idea or that improvement work. Yeah.
0: So I think sometimes that we also want to think about starting small and then spreading. So here's an example from a hospital. Uh, So, you know, patient call lights frequently fall on the floor. The proposed solution was a holder or a caddy for the call light. So this is a classic example where if the hospital formed a committee and tried to come up with the perfect solution, they would go and buy a ton of these and send them out to all of the different departments. What they did here, and I think this is good Kaizen thinking, they said, well, no, let's start small. Let's pilot this in one unit or even in one room. Let's try different caddies and see what works. What do we learn from these different attempts? And they that, oh, well, patients also need to store glasses, cell phone, other things. So they they learn and they start small, and instead of buying the wrong one times 200 rooms, they learn more by scaling back and asking, what's the smallest test of change to, to to iterate and get good at and then maybe spread something that was proven to work instead of something that was just a concept. The word
1: caddy twice in our webinar. Well done, Mark.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, people talk about rollout of an idea. So even if they start small, what we often hear is, you know, we have an idea. It worked. We need everyone to do that. We roll that out. What I hear people complain is, well, I felt rolled over. They forced that change on me and, and that gets people defensive or it disengages them instead of uh, engaging them in ongoing continuous improvement. We can learn from others, but maybe not force them to copy.
1: And that's, that change is not going to stick. I've worked in many organizations where it's like, Oh, this is what they want us to do. I'm sure this will go away in the next yeah. couple months. So. Yeah.
0: And, you know, we we think of the model of, you know, PDSA or improvement being never ending, that one improvement leads to another. So our first use of some new idea might lead to a further refinement of it or an, an additional idea that builds upon the idea. And I think when we force that change in that roll over, rollout mode, it stops the ongoing improvement. People get compliant. They say, okay, I'll do what you told me to do. Their brains shut off and they stop thinking about how to make that idea better. And this is something that I think Thetacare has done a great job of. As they describe in their different publications Um, if they have an idea that they've implemented somewhere, they call that an alpha unit. They go and, of course, try to share and spread that then to a beta unit, that second place. But they always emphasize, we don't want you to just copy the idea. We want you to keep thinking, if you can figure out how to make that better, we're going to share that back with the original alpha unit. So the alpha unit benefits from what the beta unit did, and the beta unit advances uh, the practice. So this is, I think, a better model for ongoing improvement instead of just that that top-down, forcing people to do it rollout model.
1: You get the benefit of iteration.
0: So we can think about this, you know, maybe, uh, you know, spreading an idea beyond two units. We might have an initial idea represented here in the light blue. And then we spread that idea to two other units. Now, one unit, let's say, is an ICU, which is a very specific, specialized unit. They might need to tweak that idea a bit which I've represented as the dark blue. It might not be completely identical. They've tweaked it in a necessary way. It's not applicable for those other departments, but it's it's still an improvement, and they benefited from learning from those other departments. When we go and spread one or both uh, variations of that to other departments. Then we get to another department here that you see in green. Maybe they built upon the idea and came up with something altogether better. So now what we want to do is have a feedback loop to share that idea not only with the original department, to go from the light blue concept to the green concept, and then start attempting to cascade that out, and maybe we discover that that idea is something that every department can use as is, and that's a beneficial idea that does cascade through the organization.
1: And what I think... What Mark's trying to show here isn't that a system needs to be created that does all of these feedback loops and then, you know, step 18 of the process is to do X, Y, and Z. What we're talking about here is a conceptual kind of spread of something going through an organization, and this happens in organizations that do things in a consistent Disciplined and simple way, yep. I and mean, this is just the the natural evolution of what of what occurs yeah. versus uh you know some you know huge playbook and complex system.
0: Right. And even if we think of like you know bedside caddies, um, you know that first unit tested a bedside caddy. The second unit said, okay, that caddy works for us. Right. The other department says, well, our patients have different needs, right. so we're going to buy a different type of caddy. Now the idea that spread was having a caddy for the patients. That's probably more important than every unit having the exact same caddy. So, we want to talk a little bit here to wrap up before Q&A about what organizations try to do to spread ideas without Kinexis, and then Greg is going to talk about a world with Kinexis. So one of the things people do is what's called a sneaker net. You know, people are walking through the hospital, they see their colleagues in the cafeteria, I've also heard this called cafeteria net those informal networks and communication channels where people share and spread ideas with each other, maybe in an informal way. People use spreadsheets. They write up PowerPoint summaries and try to share those files. They email ideas around. They may have bulletin boards out in uh, public areas outside of the cafeteria to try to help people see, oh, here's what other departments are implementing. Or, you know, they may use uh, email newsletters, or CEO blog posts. You know there's lots of different things people have tried, but all of these tend to sort of
1: fall short in one way or another. And I think what that was the the, the major thing that that we've come to realize over the last, you know, 5 years that we've been working and thinking about and developing Kinaxis is that technology has been a a real kind of Ignored area on how it can really benefit and accelerate and really make the job of spreading, uh, continuous improvement much easier for an organization. And we, we don't, we have never thought of Kinexis or developing Kinexis as a kind of what feature should it have? Well, this is a feature based and what we really think about are, and how do we solve four problems that we know n- really that the only place to to do these effectively is a piece of technology. And that's a visibility, standardization, collaboration, and impact. And as you're thinking about your technological solutions, and I'm going to throw spreadsheets in there, I'm going to throw SharePoint in there, I'm going to throw bulletin boards in there. Mm -hmm. As you're thinking about what's the mechanism, what's the media that you're going to do to spread continuous improvement, You're gonna find that all of those other ways are gonna lack visibility. You won't be able to see very easily what's going on in another person's world if it's on a, you know, a a shared spreadsheet or on a isolated bulletin board. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, if you let people kind of do things in a completely haphazard way and everyone's doing things, you can't create that standardization. And so one of the things that we kind of really focus on as well is this collaboration component. You need to be able to do multidisciplinary teams very quickly in order that people can kind of join around a idea, comment on that. And then finally, you know, we we see that people really struggle with measuring impact and aggregating impact. These are the types of things that kind of the Kinexus technology solves for organizations so they can really do the two things that technology can't do, which is the methodology and the leadership.
0: And the last thing I want to talk about here is the idea of spreading Kaizen behaviors down
1: or through different levels of leadership. Greg, do you want to talk about these points? You know, this is something that whenever we're talking to organizations and they're struggling, maybe they're struggling from getting it from the CEO down to the frontline staff. Maybe they have one department that's working really well and they're trying to get it to other departments. So this these concept of leadership behaviors applies to every leader in the organization. All the way from the from the very bottom to the very top, they don't. This isn't complex stuff. But what we notice is is that they need to be committed to it. Mm-hmm. They need to articulate that communicate uh, that commitment by communicating it on a repetitive and frequent basis, and then they need to go that extra step by holding people accountable. Mm-hmm. And what we find is leaders that have successfully spread continuous improvement. They're doing these three things. That doesn't mean they're spending. 40 hours a week doing these things. These can be done in 5 or 10 minutes a day, but they're, it's on the front of their mind and it's part of the routine, part of that lifestyle of how they, they, how they lead their organization or their pocket of the organization. Yeah.
0: And one of the organizations and leaders that I admire on this regard, you know, a hospital CEO who has that commitment, who communicates, who helps build accountability, As Dr. Eric Dixon, who's been a friend of mine in Massachusetts for five or six years now, you know, he gets out in front of the organization in a lot of ways, both privately and even publicly, on his blog, sharing five or six ideas that have been implemented and giving people recognition. That sparks more improvement. Um, You know, sharing those ideas beyond his health system, I think, is Really, really noble. I think a really important thing. Uh, if other hospitals are reading this and saying, well, gosh, that's an idea that we could implement or build upon or even just copy and steal. That's a great thing. And, and I think that's one of the things that's great about healthcare is that sense of purpose and that sense of profession that goes beyond just the boundaries of your own health system. So our final thought here, you know, and well, give you some time to submit some questions that we can address here is, you know, like Greg pointed out earlier and we we said, you know, everybody can do this, this idea of spread, spreading methodology, spreading good behavior, spreading good practices, spreading enabling technologies. This can be done. And we want everybody to be able to spread their wings and, and soar like an eagle, if you will. Everyone has the opportunity to create, a better, more successful
1: organization. I I think that's, to me, the most exciting part about working on spreading continuous improvement is that there isn't, you know, this isn't quantum physics. You know, this isn't something that you're going to get to a point and you're going to say, gosh, you know, the intellectual capacity of this organization or the execution capacity of this organization is just not on par with being able to handle this. And that's, that's not the case. I mean, this mm-hmm. is, these are easy, consumable behaviors that any organization, if they have the observation that they want to do this and then they're committed to doing it, they can do it. And so mm-hmm. to me, we're entering a, a bit of a revolution. You know, we, we started a hundred years ago with the kind of check your mind at the door right. and, and there is this growing awareness that, wait a minute, we, we don't want people to check their mind at the door. Yeah. We actually want them to take their mind in, in, into their, you know, into their everyday work. And it's, it is really infectious to work right. in organizations that think like this. So again, on, on behalf of Dr. Greg Jacobson, this has
0: been Mark Raven. Thank you for joining us on today's webinar.